Hello, Terrans of Earth 199,999. My name is Andrew, and you are listening to part three of our WandaVision Miniverse series. Sweet dreams are made of this, as Marvel has wowed us with another incredible pair of episodes. Before I get into it, I just want to say thank you for listening this far. This will be one of the last episodes of WandaVision, as the series finale is dropping this Friday, March 5th. With that, Let's step back through the portal and into the town of Westview, New Jersey. This is the Multiverse of Podcasts. WandaVision, Part 3, Episodes 7 and 8. Episode 7 for me was something unto itself. It was honestly kind of a filler episode. I didn't feel I needed it, but it did show me some significant development within Wanda. I feel that she finally realizes, or she finally collects her perspective on everything that's been happening to her throughout her life, and she just kind of gives up. Uh, She has a little sit-down with her children, and she begins to question the purpose of everything to which she says, I'm beginning to think everything is meaningless. The universe is indifferent to my suffering. All through my life, I've been put through pain, suffering, trauma, and and just death. So she's finally hit that point in her life where she doesn't have the will to live, but not in the sense that She's wanting to die, just more in the sense of she has nothing to live for, therefore she doesn't pursue anything, any type of further happiness. And this actually leads to a moment of her neglecting the children and pushing them off to Agnes, which we will come to find as a huge, huge mistake, as Agnes would go on to abduct the children under the guise of being sweet Auntie Agnes. I want to point out a really, really interesting scene that I found between the twins and Agnes when she brought them back to her home, she fed them, and Wiccan, or or Billy in this case, said that her house was quiet. Everything around him is so hectic, and he hears the voices in everyone's heads, and in Agnes's house, and even in Agnes's mind, it's quiet. He doesn't really realize that she is some kind of magical being, but with our unique position as being third-person viewers of WandaVision, we're able to do things like this, create podcasts, assume, and, you know, just create these crazy theories and all these sorts of fun things that seem to be heavy and quite prevalent now in social media and stuff like that, but we're able to assume who these characters are, and in this case, we can assume with a heavy hand that we know who Agnes is, and for me, this this scene pretty much affirmed who she is. I'll get back to that later. I don't really want to spoil that too close to the beginning of the podcast, but I will get back to that, I promise. Okay, now that we've kind of covered most of the events in Westview, I do realize I kind of brushed over Vision's whole scene with Darcy, but I I really didn't find importance in that. There's not a whole lot of character development within Vision in this one. It's just more assertion that he acknowledges Wanda's role in this, although he seems to see her as the only player in this, but he also has some suspicions about Pietro that go outside of Wanda, so he doesn't really know 
where fake Pietro came from, but that's still something we really don't get confirmed, even through to episode 8. I'm assuming we're going to get some kind of answer in episode 9, but at this point, who knows. There's even a post credit scene with fake Pietro, but this whole thing could be meant to just completely throw us off. Outside of Westview, director Hayward is up to no good again as he begins talking about launching some kind of weapon. We're, we're still unsure as to what this weapon is, and it's, it's still shrouded in mystery. And moving on to Monica Rambo and Jimmy Woo, they have a secret weapon of their own. It's, it's not a weapon, per se, but it is something that will get them back through the hex, hopefully unharmed. And as we know at this point, if you've seen the episode, that fails. We believed, actually, that the person who made this vehicle would be possibly one of the Fantastic Four or a character of some importance, and at least from surface value, no no diss on the actress who played this character, but this character just wasn't that important. And I, I feel the writers and the creators of this show did this on purpose, not... Not everyone needs to be some special character. Uh, We can have those silent heroes in the MCU that don't get as much recognition as they should. So once Monica takes this vehicle, she drives it through the hex. She has to evacuate as quickly as she can because it begins to fall apart. It starts transforming into or, or taking on the properties of whatever Wanda wants it to on the other side. So she... Um, jumps out of the vehicle, and she goes on foot. She walks through the hex on foot. And this is where I want to talk about this just for a brief moment, where I think we're getting probably one of the the second or or the third strongest characters in, in the MCU. We are either getting a second version of Captain Marvel, or we are getting Photon. Monica Rambeau, as some of you may know, in the comic books, she does become Captain Marvel. She also goes by the moniker Photon. I'm, I'm not too sure where they're going with her character as far as name-wise, uh, but her, her shirt, at least, is very reminiscent of Captain Marvel's M-shaped or, or M-lined shirt. Once she broke through, you can hear... The voices of, I'm, I'm assuming it's her mother, there are a few other voices that I, I'm not really that sure of. You can hear Captain Marvel, but once she breaks through, she can see the, the energy fields, the waveforms, and it looks like when you look into the sky, it looks like you could see stars and almost like the planet has a transparency to it, and she sees through the material. Which is which is so so interesting and it's and it's really really cool to see. Once back inside the hex, Monica has a small non-violent encounter with Wanda, which is subsequently broken up by Agnes. But Monica's just trying to get Wanda to realize that she's living a fantasy. None of this is real. She's hurting people. She just wants to get her out of this situation. But Wanda doesn't give in to any of that. She goes with Agnes to her house. Once in the house, it things get really weird from here. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. Agnes disappears. She leaves Wanda to her curiosity. Wanda finds her way down into the basement. Agnes then re-emerges 
but greets Wanda as Agatha Harkness. There is an amazing piece of music that comes out of this, and I think we all know what it is. It's It was Agatha all along, and this music gets stuck in our heads for a good reason, because it's actually written by the same people who wrote Let It Go. So if it's stuck in your head, it's there for a good reason, and it's there because some really excellent composers and writers put that in your head. This scene immediately leads us into episode 8. There are no breaks, so in this second half of the podcast, I'm not going to really walk you through as I did with the first half of the podcast. But now in episode 8, we were thrown so much information that it was almost hard to take in without having a second or third viewing, which, which I haven't yet, so please bear with me. This is the first time we get the confirmation that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. I don't know if you've noticed that throughout all the MCU films, we've never got a concrete confirmation that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. I even started believing that maybe Wanda isn't. Maybe we're going to be introduced to the Scarlet Witch down the line and Wanda is just kind of to throw us off. I I wasn't really that sure, but in the scene where Wanda takes the Tesseract and breaks it apart to reveal the Mind Stone, she has this kind of merging moment with the Mind Stone where she can see her future, and she's revealed to us bathed in bright light as the Scarlet Witch with her Slightly modified original outfit with kind of the Magneto-styled M uh, headpiece. And this was actually teased to us in the original promo art for WandaVision, the very early development promo art. And it was good to see it come around full circle. Another big reveal we got is why everything was set up like a sitcom. Why Wanda had such an infatuation with the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Why did she choose sitcoms? Why did she choose generational sitcoms? And it's because of her father, Oleg. Every day in his attempt to earn money for his family, he would bring back a suitcase of DVDs he wouldn't sell. And that consisted of things like Uh, Bewitched, Malcolm in the Middle, The Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, so on and so on, and they would watch that. It's almost as if she's turning these childhood memories, the things that she found good in her life, she's trying to bring back those memories in times of trauma or in times of sadness to help mask those feelings, and in a way, it It worked, but it's still a fantasy, and that's falling apart, and that's angering her even more, that those happy memories are now being distorted by the reality that she lives in, the true reality, the reality that everyone is facing now that they've been brought back from the blip. It just so happens to be that Wanda, at this point, doesn't have anybody in her life. But what I find kind of funny is in classic sitcom fashion, she does have that family that surrounds her. It's just she's too blinded by her anger, blinded by her fear, and blinded by her past, 
that she can't see it. She can't let go of the past. So how is she to move forward in, in the future? Vision is a big component in her life. Once her brother Pietro died, there was no one. She, again, was surrounded by this family, the Avengers, but she never felt like she belonged. And the Vision was always that for her. So when that was taken away from her, in her eyes, she was left with nothing. At this point, we know that this version of Vision was created from her consciousness. I, I don't really know if that means that he's real, or he has a real tangible consciousness that can possibly be taken outside of Westview. And what I mean by tangible consciousness is... It's, it's something that you can harness, something that you can possibly transfer into a physical body. You can take the reality you've created and turn it into something real. That, that's kind of been the thing in WandaVision, is that she takes these things, and when they enter Westview, they become something else, but they remain, they, they remain the same molecular structure and... Uh, they have the same makeup. It's just they are formed into something that she wants. This version of Vision is created from nothing. The same with her children. These are the three things that are created seemingly from nothing. And I don't know the bigger implications of this moving forward. I feel how we're going to transition into the multiverse of madness is these things will disappear. Once the hex is broken, the spell is broken, these things will vanish. I don't believe Agatha has any idea how her children were created unless she's the one that created them to begin with or at least influenced the creation of, of them. She may have called on some being or celestial demon or some something along those lines and split the soul to aid in the creation of those children similar to Mephisto's origins in the comic book and that's another interesting topic I don't believe this to be Mephisto anymore especially with the uh, laws in China kind of preventing things like that censoring content like that but I don't believe that we're too far off from having a character hold on to those same attributes and possibly put them into a character we've already seen. Now, who who's a interdimensional being, a demon, I guess you can consider, that we've already seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? He appears in Doctor Strange, or it appears in Doctor Strange. Dormammu. Dormammu could take over the role of all those characters we theorized to be coming to us in this show. He may take on some attributes commonly associated with Nightmare or Mephisto, and everything is kind of leading to this as where we'll be headed in the future. The multiverse of madness will be caused by Wanda's continuous inability to grasp reality and her inability to let go of the past and eventually she just creates such a big false reality that it just falls to pieces and that's exactly what Dormammu wants. He wants that chaos to ensue 
on a multi-dimensional level, and he can just slip right through the cracks and do the things that Dormammu does best. Destroy and devour planets, star systems, universes, and dimensions. What I'm about to get into isn't our last topic of discussion, but I do want to talk about that brief post credit sequence we get at the end of Episode 8. In it, we are presented with a white-clad vision, and atop his head, where the Mind Stone would generally sit, uh, lies what looks like a Stark Reactor. So this must be Project Cataract. After the events of Infinity War, we don't really see what happens to Vision's body, and to our knowledge, it was disassembled according to his wishes, but I think from episode 4 we know that's not the truth. Hayward has repurposed the Vision's body and put it into this new body, or at least scrapped it together from the old pieces. Who I believe to be in it is a little piece of Vision himself, but also, and, and this is the biggest piece, is Ultron. So when Ultron was uploading his consciousness to Vision, he didn't entirely finish. So that at least proves right there that there is a bit of Ultron in Vision. This new Ultron or Vision, whatever you want to consider it, may be programmed to fight for Hayward, but who's to say that Ultron isn't easily going to break through that programming and turn into the genocidal android that we know? One last thing to note about this new version of Vision is he almost takes a brief moment to examine his left hand. And I'm not saying that this gesture is confirming it's Ultron, but I think it's significant. When Ultron was last seen, he was missing his left hand, or his left arm. And he takes a look at it in his new body, kind of as a moment of pride, as his reclamation of what he once lost. It's new, it's improved, and it is far more dangerous, and presumably with all the powers granted to Vision, they are now in this new synth body. And that's it. That's all the detail we really get. There is not much more explanation on who this is, although that's not to say we haven't seen a character like this in the comics before. There is a white-clad Vision in the West Coast Avengers comic. This vision is a clean slate. He is quite literally pale in comparison to the old vision. Hank Pym put him back together from the scraps of a government, essentially a government hit job to disassemble the old vision, fearing that he was far too powerful for them to control. What we're left with is just kind of a hollow shell, and he doesn't know who Wanda is, doesn't have the emotional aptitude he used to, he's just not the same vision we know. One last thing before we wrap up today's episode, I want to point out how Wanda had us fooled throughout all of these films, through, throughout the past, I believe, five years now, of films with Wanda in them. She had her powers this whole entire time. They weren't 
given to her by Hydra. The the experimentation that went on didn't cause the powers. She has just been hiding them this whole time. And it's openly called chaos magic in the comic books. And in this episode, I believe Agatha calls it chaos magic as well. And what that means is she has the ability to change the outcome of any given situation. She has the ability to change the reality of that given situation. Point in case was when the bombs were dropped on her apartment in Sokovia, the bombs that actually had killed her parents. The reason her and Pietro survived after that final bomb was dropped in the center of the already destroyed apartment was because she was controlling that bomb's energy. She prevented it from exploding because she didn't want it to explode. Agatha had a name for it. I I can't quite remember the name of the hex or the charm that she put on the bomb, but it, like I said, it prevented it from blowing up. That doesn't mean that young Wanda was conscious to the fact that she was doing this magic, but it, it at least shows us one of the first times that we as an audience can see that she had these powers. And that brings me to another good point. This could be our first exposure to mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This whole time, throughout these past five years of films, we just didn't know we had been exposed to them. Wanda and Pietro were presumably born with these powers. They weren't given to them by out outstanding circumstances. They weren't given to them by Hydra experimentation, or they weren't unlocked by that Hydra experimentation as we had once believed. They were naturally born in them. This also begs the even bigger question. Were Wanda and Pietro put in foster care when they were babies? Could we still get a storyline where Magneto is their father? Could this big reveal that Paul Bettany was touting about, as big as Luke Skywalker at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, could this reveal be Ian McKellen's Magneto? Or could it be the younger Magneto, Michael Fassbender? We've already got Evan Peters as fake Pietro, so I don't think it's too out of the realm of possibility, but for the time being, I'm just going to step back and say, it's likely. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Don't you worry, there is still plenty of WandaVision to go around after this show has run its course. There is still Multiverse of Madness to look forward to, and I will still be providing uh, Wanda and Vision content, probably more in the form of lore podcasts, or maybe we'll start talking about the comic book origins and stories a little more, get into House of M and maybe their standalone comics. Uh, Who knows what the future will hold, but I hope you stay tuned for it all. And please, I implore you to watch the season finale of WandaVision, because it's really rearing up to be something special. Multiverse of Madness is going to directly tie into this, so I have no doubt that we're going to get some kind of connection with Doctor Strange. We may even see a connection with Spider-Man. I don't really know what's going to happen in Friday's episode, so I am just as excited as you all. Thank you again for joining me, and until another portal opens, this has been the Multiverse of Podcasts.